This is a special edition of the Jay Doherty Podcast. And now, broadcasting live from downtown Chicago, here's your host, Jay Doherty. Well, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Jay Doherty Podcast. This is a special edition of the podcast. It's episode number 76. And uh, it is recorded on Monday, February 18th, 2019. It is currently... 426 in the morning as I'm recording this there is a uh, Chicago mayoral forum tonight uh, and uh, it's the first night that they'll be having a uh, uh, live debate forum for the candidates uh, at WTTW it's sponsored by City Club of Chicago and uh, it's going to be featuring Bill Daly, Susana Mendoza, Tony Preckwinkle, Paul Vallis, and Willie Wilson candidates who I am uh, pretty fascinated with two of which at least according to poll numbers and financial contributions, one of which I uh, don't agree with uh, in terms of those statistics, I'll talk about which in a second, uh, are not leading it. So Paul Vallis and Willie Wilson, in terms of poll numbers and recent and even past financial contributions, are not leading in the way that they were expected to when these decisions were made. But it will be very interesting to clash and see exactly the way they debate these issues because it really gives them the people in the back in terms of poll numbers and financial contributions to step up right before voting time comes. And there's definitely going to be a runoff. This is a record-setting number of candidates for mayor and only five the, the so-called top five will be featured tonight, but there will be another one tomorrow. All the details are coming up next in episode number 76 of the J. Doherty Podcast. I will be live at the WTTW studios tonight to bring you this special edition of the J. Doherty Podcast. It's all coming up next. Out. It's uh, Monday, February 18th, 2019, and uh, we're broadcasting live very early in the morning today because, and I don't expect anyone to listen because it's, I don't even know if anyone's watching live right now, uh, but there is a lot to talk about, and it is a, an incredibly fascinating uh, his, history-making uh, mayoral uh, race this year in Chicago, and I'll be live to witness the uh, forum that will be hosted for the top five candidates. I said in the beginning, I'll say it again, the people who are featured in tonight's uh, debate feature Bill Daly, Susana Mendoza, Tony Preckwinkle, Paul Vallis, and Willie Wilson. Those are uh, by uh, alphabetical order, and it's moderated by WTTW's Phil Ponce. If you don't know what WTTW is, which you probably wouldn't know if you uh, either don't follow politics or don't live in the city, which uh, I hope you do at least one of those things if you listen to this podcast, but whatever, you, I am grateful for anyone who listens. Uh, uh, WTTW is a uh, Chicago sub-network of PBS, uh, so they are public television. They get uh, grants and funds from the government and from PBS, which subs- which are kind of subsequent, uh, I, I don't know, mutual benefactors of one another, I guess you could call it. Or, um, so... That's that. It's at uh, 5400 North St. Louis Avenue. I'll be there tonight broadcasting live uh, from the debate. I sent an email out about it. I'm going to send an email about it. I wrote the email uh, just last night, and it's going to be sent out to the 500-plus on the newsletter. And if you want to listen 
Uh, if you want to join that newsletter, the place to go is j-doherty.com slash newsletter, and you'll be able to join and just click that button, and uh, you will get all confirmed and on the list. It'll be an honor to have you, uh, and you'll be able to, you know, get the latest news right in your inbox every single week. Monday at 5 a.m. is when the emails are sent out, uh, but... It is inc- it's going to be really interesting to see exactly what happens here at the debate because uh, I want to see the way that they fight this out. I want to see if Paul Vallis, Willie Wilson can come back. As it stands right now, the top three, and really the only people in my view as of uh, right now as I'm speaking, Bill Daly, Susana Mendoza, and Tony Preckwinkle, those are the top three candidates for tonight's debate, and they are leading in financial contributions and the polls. So it'll be interesting. You know, uh, Bill Daly got a, a million bucks from uh, the richest guy in Chicago, Ken Griffin, the other day. The union striked back against Bill Daly with $800,000 worth of negative ads. So uh, Mr. Griffin, just being the capitalistic billionaire that he is, retaliated back with another million dollars straight to the Bill Daly campaign. And uh, now he's basically dominating them, uh, the unions, by... million in pro-Daily ads and uh, other things. They got a lot of money, and uh, Bill Daly happens to be leading in the polls. Also, the... uh also, the financial contributions. Second, though, Tony Preckwinkles. Third, Susanna Mendoza. The list goes on uh, with poll numbers and things like that. But really, you can't trust poll numbers. And I've said this for a long time, uh, is, and it was totally proven in the 2016 presidential debate. Every single poll had Trump not winning the presidency, even at the night when, uh, during the election night, every poll had Trump losing. And, uh, well, you take a look at uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, you'll see the man sitting right there at the uh, Oval Office. So, it's interesting. Uh, polls don't, polls aren't uh, the way they historically used to be. Almost every poll was correct back, uh, I was looking at a, you can actually go on the National Archives website and you can look at all the polls that were ever taken for presidency that were, you know, submitted by the various news media networks, some of them even taken uh, in some correlation to the government, and you can see that nearly all of them are accurate uh, about who's going to win and, and, and whatnot, so... It'll be interesting uh, to see exactly who wins. I My prediction, as it stands right now, will be a runoff between Bill Daly and Tony Preckwinkle. That may change after tonight's debate. I don't know, but we'll see what happens there. Also, I want to before we uh, get to the live coverage, which I am going to insert after this, I, after I record it, hopefully we get uh, more than 100 people watching and listening live to that coverage uh, tonight. Before I uh, get to inserting, and I want to mention uh, tomorrow night, there is another mayoral candidate forum hosted by Carol uh, Marin, I believe I say her last name, uh, and uh, it's featuring the, so what I like to say, or at least the way that they put it, and the kind of the more prominent candidates are featured tonight, and then tomorrow night, uh, Carol Marin will be hosting uh, Gary Chico, who actually, in terms of poll numbers, is doing better than Paul Vallis and Willie Wilson, but these decisions were made uh, in terms of who's going to be featured on the debate a couple months ago, or a couple, or more than a month ago, a couple weeks ago. Amara Anaya will be featured, LaShawn Ford, Lori Lightfoot, and Gary McCarthy. I wrote a big article, and you can even look on the Chicago Tribune to see exactly who all these char- uh, candidates are, what they stand for. And uh, it'll be airing live on WTTW, their YouTube channel, which is publicly accessible. It'll be airing uh, on WBEZ, 
Chicago's Public Radio, and so many other places, and uh, I'll have live coverage of that as well tomorrow. Without further ado, here is my coverage, though, of the mayoral debate. I am live at WTTW Studios. If uh, everything goes according to plan, this is what it should sound like. This is a JDP special report. All right, everyone. Uh, If everything is working correctly, which I uh, hope and assume it is, uh, I should be broadcasting live. And uh, you should be able to hear me as I'm speaking right now. I'm broadcasting live on j-doherty.com. And I'm currently right outside of the uh, WTTW studios for uh, tonight's mayoral debate. Of course, as I mentioned in the previous recording that I did this morning, uh, Bill Daly, Willie Wilson, Paul Vallis, Tony Preckwinkle, uh, and um, other uh, and Susanna Mendoza, they're all going to be featured. Sorry about that little pause there. Um they're going to be featured on tonight's debate, moderated by Phil Ponce, and I will be in there live to cover it for you. And uh, we'll get the live feed on the broadcast as well. Hopefully everything goes well with the remote connection to the uh, studio, uh, the TJDP studio. Uh, but I'm, uh, yeah, right right out here before the uh, debate start uh, starts, um, as it stands right now, it is 5.57 p.m., and it is 27 degrees where I'm standing right now, right outside of the studio. So it's certainly going to be a phenomenal debate uh, at the WTTW studios. Tons of issues that are going to be on the table, one of, uh, one of many being uh, gun violence. Uh, there is uh, reform that is supposed to be happening. And one of the more prominent issues, at least in Illinois especially, uh, even though this race is, of course, for Chicago, the pension crisis. Candidates like Bill Daly, Susanna Mendoza, and Tony Preckwinkle, who seem to be the top three front runners as it stands, uh, have addressed those uh, issues quite heavily over the course of their campaign. And again, these are the top five candidates ranked not only in the polls, but also in financial and political contributions through money and endorsements uh, that are debating tonight. Those candidates are, and I'll uh, cut the broadcast, this part of the broadcast, off in just a second. But as it stands, uh, and as it is scheduled tonight. Bill Daly, Susanna Mendoza, Tony Preckwinkle, um, Paul Vallis, as well as uh, Willie Wilson. Uh, those are the ones that are scheduled for tonight. And uh, I'm recording this and broadcasting this to you live on my Samson portable microphone. That's S-A-M-S-O-N is the brand, not Samsung. Uh, I'm broadcasting that to you through a remote box Um in the studio, and uh, I'm being told from the person that's actually operating the board right now that everything is going well. I'll be able to hear them through my earbuds for the um, part of the coverage for tonight, and uh, that will be interesting to see exactly what happens, and uh, I'll be able to cover that live for everyone here on the podcast. So as it stands right now, that's where everything uh, is. And uh, hopefully in terms of technical issues, nothing occurs uh, throughout this portion of the broadcast and uh, throughout the rest of the broadcast here at the WTTW studios. I am Jay Doherty. And uh, here's my coverage of the mayoral debate moderated by Phil Ponce. Good evening and welcome to Chicago tonight on this Monday, February 18th. 14 candidates have now just a week left to convince voters they should be the next mayor of Chicago. Tonight in our latest mayoral forum, we bring you five more candidates for mayor. That is next 
on Chicago Tonight. Thanks for joining us. I'm Phil Ponce. Ethics, the city's pension crisis, violence, police reform, schools. Those are just a few of the issues Chicago's next mayor will have to tackle. Last Thursday, we met four candidates, and tonight, Five more join us to discuss these issues and more. And one note before we begin, this is not a traditional debate. There will be no opening or closing remarks. Each candidate will not necessarily be asked the very same questions. And while answers are not being timed, I may interrupt if needed in order to cover as much ground as possible. Joining us in the order they appear on the ballot are Paul Vallis, former CEO of the Chicago Public Schools, Willie Wilson, a businessman and philanthropist. Tony Preckwinkle, president of the Cook County Board of Commissioners. Bill Daly, a businessman and former U.S. Commerce Secretary and White House Chief of Staff. And Susanna Mendoza, the Illinois Comptroller. And we're also joined this evening by members of the City Club of Chicago and their guests. Our thanks to the City Club for helping to underwrite this forum. And welcome to our radio listeners on WBEZ 91.5 FM and to everyone watching our live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and our website. You can join the conversation on Twitter at WTTW using the hashtag ChicagoTonight. And again, our many thanks to all of the candidates for being here. I would like to begin with a series of uh, yes or no questions. And by yes or no, I mean really yes or no. Uh, the growing federal investigation surrounding Alderman Burke has put a bright spotlight on City Hall. So yes or no as to which ethic reforms you would support, yes or no, beginning with Paul Vallis. A ban on outside employment for Alderman, yes or no? Yes. Willie Wilson? Uh, yes. Tony yes. Preckwinkle? Yes. Bill Daly? Susanna Mendoza? Yes. Uh, Susanna Mendoza, yes or no? Reduce the number of aldermen from 50, yes or no? No. No. Bill yes. Daly? Yes. Tony Preckwinkle? No. Willie Wilson? Uh, yes. Paul Vallis? No. Paul Vallis, should the Inspector General be given subpoena power? Yes. Willie Wilson, subpoena power for the Inspector General? Yes. Tony Preckwinkle? Yes. Bill Daly? Yes. Susanna Mendoza? Yes. Susanna Mendoza, term limits for mayor? Yes. Bill Daly? Yes. Tony Preckwinkle? No. Willie Wilson? Uh, yes. Paul Vallis? Yes. Last question, Paul Vallis, beginning with you. Should the aldermanic privilege be eliminated uh, by which aldermen can basically give a thumbs up or thumbs down on developments? Yes, yes or no? Yes. Willie Wilson eliminate the privilege? Uh, yes. Tony Preckwinkle? No. Yes. Bill Daly? Yes. yes. Susanna Mendoza? Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's start um, by focusing on one of the ethical issues that is currently uh, in the news and facing Chicagoans, and that is Chicagoans are being asked to vote for you. Before recordings of Alderman Burke and Alderman uh, Solis's dealings are being made public, is it likely that uh, you are on those recordings, uh, Tony Preckwinkle? Might you be on those recordings with, uh, with Alderman Solis? No. No? No. Susanna Mendoza? I've, I Highly doubt it. I mean, if, if it were, it would be nothing that I would need to worry about. Bill Daly? Nope. Willie Wilson or Paul Vallis? No. All right. Susanna Mendoza, basic question. Uh, you've been getting a lot of attention for, for this one event. 
Why did you get married at Alderman Burke's house? So because uh, in my family, my mother and my father's heritage is Mexican, it's very common uh, as a Mexican tradition that we do a small civil service. Uh, our real wedding was a week later in the church, which is what we recognize as my official wedding. But instead of going to a courthouse, I had a very private, intimate uh, ceremony with Justice Ann Burke, who presided over it, where she to honor my family heritage, uh, hosted that event at her home. You lovely. could have honored your family heritage in any of a number of venues, but why that one? Because Ann Burke has been a role model of mine for many, many, many years. She started the Special Olympics. She's a Supreme Court Justice. She's a, she's a friend and someone that I admire dearly. So when she first met my husband, she said, if you guys ever get married, I'd love to do the civil service for you. So it's, that's how it happened. It's been reported that uh, Ann Burke is, is your mentor. Is that how you would describe him? You know, I, I've had a good relationship with the chairman. I obviously condemned his uh, actions. And what I would say is that I think a good pulse of where our relationship has stood lately is the fact that I'm not his endorsed candidate. That's Mr. Chico. Gary Chico is the endorsed candidate. And I'm also uh, not the one who's uh, listed in a federal criminal complaint. That's President Preckwinkle for accepting a $10,000 contribution that's part of an illegal extortion scheme. So. I've, I've, of course, had to work with aldermen who have been in my legislative district, and as the city clerk of Chicago, I had to work with all 50 aldermen. And as the controller of the state of Illinois, I have to work with every single elected official. But what they do wrong is certainly a reflection of their ethics and their lack of conduct, not mine. Tony Preckwell, you want to respond to that, uh, to the, uh, to the, what she said about the $10,000, which has been widely reported. You know, I think the first thing to know is that I served with Ed Burke for almost 20 years. He was neither a friend nor an ally on divided votes. We were on opposite sides. I think the critical issue about Ed Burke is the dual employment issue. You know, it's, it's critically important that people understand that our elected officials are serving them, their constituents, and not their clients. So I've taken a strong position against dual employment. And I have never in my public life had any job other than the job for which the people paid me. And I think that's critical. People have to have confidence in their, in their government. And because government can do great things, it can improve people's lives. That's why I've devoted so much of my working life to serving in government. And, and in, the, in government, you have, uh, you have promoted yourself as a reformer, as a progressive, and yet you continue to steadfastly support former assessor Joe Berrios. How come? You know, I'm president of the county. And as president of the county, I have to work with 11 separately elected officials. One of those elected officials was Joe Berrios, assessor. And now that assessor is, is Fritz Kage. And I work closely with him. You know, <coughs> it's really important that we have a fair property tax system. And that's something that Fritz Kage is, is striving to do. And our property tax system, frankly, is challenged by the fact that we disproportionately rely on residential uh, property holders as opposed to industrial and commercial. So that's one thing that needs to be addressed. But the, other, the other is that, frankly, we need progressive income and property tax revenues are not progressive. That's why I support a progressive income tax at the state level. You say you had to work with Joe Berrios, but what you did, arguably, was beyond support. I mean, you, uh, you basically gave him a port in the storm during uh, concerns about his family hiring, about the nature of assessments, and so forth. Uh, do you regret that? You know, I think it's really important to understand that in my career as president of the county, I've tried to address the tough challenges that the county has faced, whether it's providing access and great quality care through now our we're public health about system, your relationship with or, Joe criminal, or criminal justice reform. 
And, and I've also worked to address the challenges that our property tax system faces. First with Assessor Berrios, as he worked to implement the changes that were proposed by our outside consultant. And now with Fritz Kage, who's continuing to work changes with those Changes which had been proposed before. Susanna Mendoza, you wanted to say something. So, so here's the reality. I mean, after the story broke from the Tribune that did an amazing investigative series on this, and they showcased how, in fact, Assessor Berrios oversaw knowingly a corrupt and rigged property tax system that has locked so many uh, Chicagoans into an endless cycle of poverty. Even after that story broke, President Preckwinkle didn't just, con she didn't condemn it, she actually endorsed Joe Berrios for re-election. And then to add insult to injury, after he lost, thankfully because the voters did the right thing and elected a new assessor, she honored him with a Lifetime Achievement Award. I mean, a Lifetime Achievement Award. This individual is responsible for locking people into a cycle of poverty in the city and is the number one reason why so many people feel suffocated because of property taxes. I'll give Tony that's that's a quick, okay. a quick minute Let to respond. Let me just say, you know, in, in Cook County, we did, have not raised property taxes since 1996, and the reason we haven't is because we know that this is one of the most progressive ways in which government can raise revenue. And we have worked to look for other sources of revenue, and we have. And that's not true, frankly, for other units of government. And I'm, I'm very proud of the fact. Well, let's, let's move on to another topic. Bill Daly, let's talk about the front page Tribune article alleging that you cheated on the, in, real, uh, the your insurance exam. An expert handwriting analysis by the U.S. Treasury Department showed there were two different sets of writing and ink on the exam. And according to court records, you got help. Did you cheat? No. If you read the article, there was no allegation that I did anything in that event 46 years ago. Since then, I've gone on in a career, been vetted to be chief of staff to the President of the United States, been vetted by numerous federal agencies to be Commerce Secretary, and I'm proud of the record that I've done over the last number of years, both in the private sector and the public sector. So you did not cheat on that exam? No. And there's no allegation I did, if you read the article. Willie Wilson, you've given cash handouts to help people pay their property tax. You've handed out $50 bills at churches. What do you say to critics who think you're trying to buy people's votes? Well, I, I say this much. I've been doing it for the last 30 years. Nobody said anything. Okay? But the difference is that I use my money, right? They use taxpayer money, you know? A lot of these people up here right now need investigation, point blank. What they kind want of investigations and which people? Well... Tony Blackwell, for one, okay. Uh, Susan Mendoza, number two. If they was taken there associated with Burke, all right, and 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 the people, they should be investigated. When I was giving away money, they wanted to put me in jail for seven years, my own money, all right. So, but these up here associated with Burke, all right, they should be investigated. If it had been me. They'd have been investigating me already and probably didn't put me in jail, all right? But they're using their taxpayer dollar. And when they talk about taxes up here, let me put it this way. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle here took and raised his shortened attack turn, all right? Property attack. 77,000 people home went on the block, all right? 11,000 lost them. I helped pay people property taxes to keep them in their home, all right? And the other thing is this here is that both of them up here is still on payroll on a job that they already have. In corporate America, you wouldn't, that wouldn't even exist. And, and while you keep raising taxes on citizens, why don't they raise taxes on themselves? 
Yeah. I'd like to uh, ask the other folks, should, should this practice of people, candidates handing out money, handing out cash, whether it be for property taxes or just a goodwill gesture, quotes at churches, should, should that be banned, Paul Vallis? Uh, well, first of all, Willie always has helped people in need, and he's been doing it for 30 years. So if Willie wants to help poor people pay their property taxes or he wants to help them get bail so they can get out of jail. Say, say uh, after a candidate, a candidate has announced, at that point, should, uh, should that practice be banned? Well, you know, I have no reason to second guess what Willie's doing with his own money, quite well, frankly. I'm not talking just about Mr. Wilson. I'm just talking just generally. Well, it's not something that I would do. Uh, it's not something that I would do uh, under any circumstances because of potential conflicts, but uh, I have no reason to question Willie's no motivations. Well, let's stay with you, Paul Vallis, because in both Philadelphia and New Orleans, where you served as uh, the head of the schools, you advocated and implemented a greater privatization of schools. As mayor, would, would you continue to do that here? Well, first of all, what do you mean by privatization? We opened 15 charter schools in, uh, in Philadelphia. I think we had uh, 225 schools and in New Orleans all the schools all the schools are open enrollment neighborhood schools governed by local school boards those are public schools those are not privatized schools so to characterize that as privatization is is um, is not accurate but uh, well, I, I tell you the reports you're characterizing that way that New Orleans has now for all intents and purposes uh, purposes as a privatized school district but go ahead no 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 but let's let's address that question when I went to New Orleans after the devastation of Hurricane Katrina, the, the Democratic governor and the legislature decided that they wanted to create a district of independent schools. So the schools that reopened one by one went to the state and got their own LEAs. In other words, they got their own authority to open as independent schools because the level of corruption in the, in the old district was such that the FBI actually operated uh, their investigations out of superintendent's office. Okay, so, well, let's, let's fast so forward to Chicago. Is, bottom right, line, forget right. all the Philadelphia stuff, no, no, forget the New Orleans well, stuff. Well, Would you, you push for more privatized schools, more charter schools? Well, first of all, you asked a question. Yes. Uh, what I have said, <laughs> you did. Well, what I have said is that we should not open up any additional schools, whether they're charter schools or, for that matter, whether they're traditional schools, because right now the district has 150,000 vacant seats, and we would be better off looking at putting the type of programs in those schools, like the type of programs I did when I was superintendent, that would grow those schools, transforming them back into community schools and putting magnet programs in neighborhood schools to make them more attractive, because during my tenure, a school enrollment grew by 30,000. In fact, there's 70,000 more kids in the schools when I left and there are today because of those programs and we need to restore those programs. Let's move on to public safety. Bill Daly, you've said that you'd like to have a camera on every block and use drones to help police officers. Would that turn Chicago into a police state? No, I think we, we have a crime problem in every part of the city and I think people want to feel safe. We obviously can't have a police officer on every street, but we can give a certain level of comfort to the people of Chicago that we are doing everything we can and we must take advantage of the technologies. We have a lot of cameras in the city, uh, but I think we ought to look at technology as an advantage that we can use uh, to fight this uh, surge in crime. And, I, and let me just say, it's not just in the neighborhoods where there's serious shootings. 
every part of the city, people have a concern about crime. And I think we've got to do everything we can to bring them a certain comfort and help the police department at the same time. Susanna Mendoza, and then I'll get to Mr. Wilson. Well, obviously, we need to properly train and resource our police officers. No doubt about it. It was the number one recommendation of the Obama Justice Department report. But we have to realize that the police are just dealing with the symptom of lack of investment in human capital and in the neighborhoods. If we want to get to the to really solve crime in the city of Chicago, which should be the number one priority of any candidate running for mayor, we've got to get to the root cause of why this violence exists. The fact that in some of our neighborhoods, uh, Phil, it's easier for a child to have access to a gun than it is to a new book, that's wrong. I'm going to fix that. The fact that in some of our neighborhoods, it's easier to have access to a gun than to a wrench and work in a vocational trade, that's wrong. I'm going to fix that. But that is in large part why we have so much violence and it's spilling into the downtown area, which means that the next mayor is going to have a more difficult time recruiting corporations and bringing those headquarters to Chicago if when they turn on the TV set, they're seeing that there's, you know, a murder or a, a slew of murders in the weekend, whether it's, you know, uh, on Michigan Avenue or in the neighborhoods of our city. Willie Wilson, you wanted to say something? Well, <clears throat> yeah, I, look. And in order to stop crime, you must add resources, all right? And, like and yet, this. Mr. Wilson, you're the only candidate who says you don't want to hire more detectives to boost the rate of solving homicides, also called the clearance rate. Is that right? That, that's correct, right. I would not hire not one single police officer to add to the situation. You got to put job and contract. If you can put $8.5 billion in O'Hare, you can put a couple of billion over here to help take care of those particular neighborhood. You, they, they need jobs. They need contracts, all right? Adding rooms, anything else is not going to work. This is Chicago. This, this, is, this, is, this is not Vietnam, all right? So, you know, so, so we, wait, 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 just I'm be sorry. quiet here. I'm sorry. Wait a minute, all right? All right? You, you have to take that and do one thing. Add resources to those neighborhoods. I've gotten a lot of people out of jail, all right? And they Add get resources, out. neighborhoods, not manpower, personnel power to the police department. Is that look, what you're saying? Look, you, you add resources, job, and cut, make sure crime will go down. Add, add, it, I'm gonna add job, all right, contract, put the resources. If you're going to put those dollars in O'Hare and downtown and other areas, put them in a certain neighborhood so we can cut the crime down. That's how I would do it. Tony Preckwinkle. Sure. You know... <laughs> I'm a teacher by profession, and early in my teaching career, I lost a student to a drive-by shooting. You know, she was sitting on her own front porch, and she got shot and killed. And I, and I know the impact that these tragedies have on everybody whose lives are touched. You know, this is a social justice issue. Everybody has the right to feel safe in their home and their community. And, you know, the best instrument that we have to deal with the violence, frankly, is better cooperation and collaboration between police and the community. And, you know, we see the challenge of that here in Chicago because we've invested in shot spotters and cameras and surveillance equipment, and yet we have three times, I mean, we have more murders than, than New York and Los Angeles combined, and we have a 15% closure rate for murders. I mean, if people, are, if people are suspicious and wary of the police and, and won't talk to them, the police don't have the information they need to solve crimes. Well, so, which, uh, which, which leads me to the, to the next topic, and that is that the Chicago Police Department decries the fact that if people see something, they may not say something. And yet, uh, when Alderman uh, found out about Danny Solis, they didn't decry the, uh, the wrongdoing that was taking place, but called him a rat. Did uh, Bill Daly, did Danny Solis do the right thing? Yes, he absolutely did. 
I mean, how, why would anyone question that? It's unbelievable that in, in this age, in this year, that somebody would say that and feel that. It's ridiculous. Susanna Mendoza. Look, I think it was so disgusting. Uh, if, if it was bad enough that the, the man is being charged with wrongdoing, it was even worse to, to hear the members of the city council be more concerned about the fact that he was wearing a wire than that he was corrupt. That is just as disgusting as it gets. It's the number one reason why, though. Anyone who really seeks the public's trust, who is wanting to run for mayor, should absolutely be against aldermanic prerogative. We have to end aldermanic prerogative, and it should be a disqualifier to defend the number one reason why aldermen more often than not end up going to jail, because they, they abuse this unchecked power. There's only one former the alderman on the, the panel, reason. Tony Preckwinkle. Sure. Look, the big challenge, as I said, is dual employment. You know, the challenge is dual employment. We have to say to our, our, our elected officials in Chicago, you can only work for the people. You cannot have outside employment because we shouldn't be worrying about whether or not people are serving their <coughs> constituents or their clients. And, and let me just say, it's really important in a democracy that people have faith in their government. And these allegations of corruption undermine that faith. And, and government can do a lot of good things. It can improve people's lives. It's why I've devoted almost the last 30 years to public service, because I know the good things government can do. Okay, and this real quick is the real then. Uh, yes or no? Um, dual employment, would, would you allow that? Uh, should dual employment be eliminated yes, among should. aldermen? Susanna it, Mendoza? It, sh it should, yes. Bill Daly? Absolutely. Tony Krakow, we just heard you. Uh, Willie Wilson? How can I say that when they getting paid here and then they got another job? How can I say that? They, well, they have another job already, right? And they getting paid for what? Right now. But yeah, you got to eliminate, but you got to eliminate this too. They already getting paid on another job. They need to be on their job right now, not up here. Wait a minute. Uh, do, do you have other employment, Tony Preckwinkle, besides your current job? No. Susanna Mendoza? No. Bill no. Daly, you're still in the private sector, so presumably that... But they, they should be working on a job they're getting paid for. Look, we are. You, hey, look, we you are. know what, to that point, let me just say, let me just say, the old, let me just say, just for fun, I mean, like, this is, here, here's the reality. Here right now. It's just, it's so interesting how it's after five. In corporate America, we wouldn't allow it. Here's where it happens all the time. If you want to know how people can do both jobs, just ask a woman. We have to multitask all the time. A strong woman can chew gum, walk, and blow oh. bubbles at the same time. And I haven't lost a beat representing the people of this state as their controller. And I think that I bring forth the best ideas, frankly, to move this city into the future. But Paul this Ballas, is a question that the that. men Paul talk love to bring up. Thank you very much. First of all, we all know what Willie's talking about. I mean, you, we have two individuals who are planning and running for another office while they were running for a specific office. And uh, at least one of them announced, what, two or three weeks after the election. So uh, we all know what Willie, the point that Willie's making. And I don't think you should be allowed to do that. That's number one. But I'd like, to, I'd like to weigh in because we missed the beat on the discussion of this public safety issue. As Willie pointed out there, and, and Susanna, there's no substitution for investing in the communities to get at the root cause of crime. We have to understand what happened to the police department. Over the years, they degraded the police department by not filling vacancies and by gutting the detective division. So they went from 1,200 detectives to less than 800. And the, and the clearance rate on murders fell below 20%. And when you degrade the police department, you don't fill vacancies, you destroy the whole concept of community policing. So you had police officers in districts that they were not familiar with, and, and you had police officers in districts who were not familiar with them. So what you've got to do is you've got to restore the numbers, you've got to restore the ranks, you've got to restore the supervision, and while you're rebuilding the detective division, the most inexpensive 
inexperienced detectives division ever. You've got to do what other cities have done, bring retired detectives back in so that they can work these cases so you can get the clearance rates up. There's no substitution. There's no substitution for fully staffing. And, and, and a point on finances, when I was city budget director, I never paid more than $38 million in overtime for police because we fully staffed the police. We had a record number of police. One year, they paid $175 million in overtime. So it's not a case of not having enough resources. It's the proper utilization of those resources. Well, let's second what Paul has said. You know, I, I've talked to somebody, in, in one of the leaders of the police department, and what he pointed out was under McCarthy's leadership, there was just a devastation of the detective ranks. And, you know, the long-term effect of that is what we've seen, the inability to close cases. And, and, and he also shared that it takes two or three years for a mm -hmm. homicide detective to really learn their job. And so when you don't, when you've decimated the ranks and then you're bringing new people in and it takes them two or three years to kind of really get good at the job, you've got some real challenges. Let's talk and, about and infrastructure. I also, think, Let's I talk also about think it's important that we invest in community policing because that, that's something that, that that frankly we've disinvested in over time and when we don't have as I said good collaboration between police and the community it's very hard for them to solve crimes because people won't talk to them. Bill Daly you wanted to say Bill, something. Yeah you asked me the question and I answered you about technology and using cameras and using aerial surveillance but there's no question we have to go beyond that and that is the economic fiber in so many neighborhoods we have to do that we also have to put together a real violence prevention reduction program that, as they have in LA and New York I've talked to police leadership I've committed to put 50 million dollars in to help these young men change their lives Arnie Duncan's doing a plan called cred Heartland Alliance there's a number of others but create a office within the mayor's office deputy mayor to run a violence prevention reduction program put 50 million in that'll help change some young men's lives and help this issue we have to segue to another topic and that is infrastructure as you know infrastructure the city's infrastructure is now very much in the news given the situation with the bridge on lakeshore drive uh, candidates do you support a higher gas tax to help pay for the 10 billion dollars that uh, reportedly is needed to shore up the city's streets and Bridges? How about that? Paul Vallis? Higher gas tax? No. No? Willie Wilson, yes or no? Anything I do with taxes, no. <laughs> Tony Preckwinkle? No. Bill Daly? No, they should have done it a few years ago when the gas prices were much lower, though. Susanna Mendoza? No. Uh, Chicago was recently rated the third most congested city in America regarding traffic. Would you try to reduce congestion and the wear and tear on the infrastructure with uh, a commuter tax? Susanna Mendoza, yes a or no? Absolutely not. I think it's bad for business. Bill Daly, a, a commuter, commuter tax is not about the congestion on the streets, okay? And that idea has been tried. I haven't endorsed it. I've put it on the table as a possibility if we're going to try to solve some of our economic problems. Shouldn't be on the but table. Well, uh, it's just bad uh, policy, uh, Bill. It no, really it's is. Not. No, it really isn't. Let me, uh, let me finish. The congestion is another issue. We have to deal with it. We have to do some regulation around this congestion because if you try to travel throughout the city, hopefully the state this year will pass a capital bill and the city will get the resources it needs. Go down the street. Short of right that, out, yes or no go, on a commuter go, tax? Go, go right. I said the commuter tax ought to be on the table okay. for consideration. I have not said I'm for it. And I haven't laid out a plan for it. 20, yep. Tony Preckwinkle, a commuter tax? No. Willie Wilson, you said no, you don't like taxes. <laughs> Let me say something. Okay. <laughs> Raising taxes run businesses out of Chicago, all right? We've been raising taxes. What are you going to do, run everybody out of Chicago? Who's going to run it? 
you know? Raising taxes send people to Gary and Anna's shop, other states and things of that nature. Lower taxes, you attract business into the city. You attract international business into the city. Lower them taxes to balance the budget because more revenue comes in. Uh, along those lines, uh, Willie Wilson, let me stay with you because uh, Paul gets to answer the question, yeah. I think. Uh, well, wait, 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 wait. wait. He, he's the commentator. You can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be fair to everybody. Miss, Fairness. Let's try Mr. Fairness. Mr. Wilson, you, okay. you, you raise a good point, but I'll, I'll go. <laughs> Paul Bell, okay, let's go ahead. First of all, commuter taxes, where they've been imposed, have had. Uh, have had negative economic consequences. That's number one. Number two, if you want to reduce congestion, you need to do a couple of things. And I've laid this out in my transportation policy. You need to uh, create conditions so that people will begin uh, using public transportation. I, I mean, uh, you know, the, the number of people riding the CTA buses would at one time far exceeded the number of people riding the trains. Now it's about equal because people aren't using them. Why? Because the fares are continually going up, number one. Number two, because a lot of times they're concerned about safety. So if you have a comprehensive plan to upgrade transportation, which includes improved public safety, and if you're increasing the number of individuals who are using ridership by reducing fares or having differential fare amounts, you'll actually be able to uh, address the uh, needs of the public transportation system and reduce congestion simultaneously. That's Willie Wilson, uh, you... I gave you a one-word answer. I tell you, it's really, it's really important that we invest in public transit. It's really important that we invest in public transit. Willie Wilson? No, my name is Tony Preckwinkle. Thank you, Willie. I'm grateful. You were talking about taxes, and it sounded like a philosophical statement you made about taxes and business and job growth and so forth. You supported President Trump, you supported Governor Rauner, you've gotten the support of various Republican organizations. Are you a Republican? Let me, let me say this here. If it, yes. Fine. <laughs> let me put it this way. Hear me clear. If Republican for lower taxes on the citizen, I'm Republican. If Democratic for lower prices on citizen, I'm a Democrat. All right? I, I don't look at names. Listen, when I get in mayor's office, I'm going to add Republican, Democrat, all other people that make part of running this city. The problem is that people get hooked on labor while people over here are suffering, trying to pay uh, taxes to keep their home, trying to buy groceries. Look, Republican got good ideas, Democrat got good ideas. We all, we must include it. I've been a, let me say this, I've been a Democrat 98% of my time. I've given a lot of money to Democrats. But let me just say this while we're on the subject. When I ran for President of the United States, the Democrats wouldn't even allow me to get on the stage with them. Wouldn't even allow me to get on the stage with them. Right now, today, we just had a deposition here, uh, day before yesterday, Friday. They wouldn't even allow me to get on the stage, wouldn't allow me to get in at 75% of the country, all right? And in and, and, and Mississippi, a white Supreme Court told the Democratic Party, to make sure that I get on the ballot one day before election. The Democrats, all right? So all right. I ain't got no problem with nobody. Republican, Democrat, but help the citizens. Well, let's move on to city finances. And uh, one viewer wrote to us saying that the, uh, about the city's looming pension crisis, by the year 2023, which sounds like a long time away, it's just a few years, uh, for, thank you, the city is going to need more than a billion dollars more than it currently uh, contributes to pension contribution. The city desperately needs revenue. I think we can all acknowledge that. And this time, honestly, seriously, a yes or no question. Susanna Mendoza, do you support 
a Chicago casino? Yes. How Bill, does, Bill oh, this Daly. This is such a you big question. Yes, though, on the casino. Yes. yes. Tony Preckwinkle? Yes. Willie Wilson? Yes. Paul Vallis? Yes, but not to fund pensions. <laughs> Paul Vallis, uh, bringing back the head tax on businesses, yes or no? No. Willie Wilson? You know my answer already. Tony, <laughs> just trying to be polite, sir. Tony Preckwinkle? No. Bill Daly? No, but uh, Phil, I think it's unfair to ask such a question on such an important issue and not have people explain when in a, a one or two word answer. That's kind of ridiculous considering how serious this issue is. All right, uh, criticism noted. Susanna uh, yes. Mendoza. I'll, I'll do a two answer. Heck no. It's All bad right. for business. Head text. We finally got rid of it. If you really want to keep businesses in the city of Chicago, you can't possibly like waffle on the head tax or the commuter tax. It's a no. Susanna Mendoza raising the real estate transfer tax, yes or no? Uh, the, for mansions over a million dollars, yes, and to put towards homelessness and affordable housing. Bill Daly. Yes. Tony Preckwinkle. Yes, this is the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless Plan for to fund housing for the homeless. Willie Wilson. When you raise tax, you pass it on down to the consumer. To do. Paul Vallis. Yes. Uh, Bill Daly, last May you wrote an op-ed saying the parking meter deal made good business sense. Did you give your brother advice about the parking meter no, deal? No, I did not. No, I was not involved in that. I, I did understand, I did understand why in, in the middle of the economic crisis, people, governments, and private sector were looking at extreme measures. There was the threat of 5,000 layoffs or enormous property tax tax increase at a time people were losing their homes. So they made a judgment. In hindsight, 10 years later, whatever it is, uh, we can all pick it apart. I understand the motivation then. But you, you never, you never, your no. brother never consulted with you? No. No. I was one of five no votes against that. the parking meter deal. Yeah. One of Just, five right. votes against the parking yeah. meter deal. I thought it was a terrible deal then. I think it's a terrible deal now. We never should have sold off that important asset. It was a big yeah. mistake, and and frankly, we spent all the money in in three or four so, years. It, we we in, we we gave them what a 99-year lease, and we we spent all the money in 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 three or four years. Bill Daly, did your company profit as a result of that? My company? Yes. No, not at all. Oh Had nothing goodness. to do with it. Paul Vallis? Look, you know, the bottom line, is, and these are the facts, J.P. Morgan uh, originally filed a letter of intent to go after the work, and then they backed off, and then they became part of the deal. No, now, and, uh, Paul, uh, let me Paul, respond. It's my you time. You made that let allegation, and you have no proof Is it of my that, time? Paul? Well, first of all, I showed the organizational chart that was presented. And not one person reported because it, it wasn't was true. Bill, will you let Anyways, me finish? Sure. That was presented. But tell the truth, Paul. Follow me. I'm telling the truth because it's in it, it's in the packet that was no, submitted to the city council. Also, let oh. me point out that J.P. Morgan and Morgan Stanley, of course, which had another daily working for them, then went after the business in Pittsburgh, and that was in the Pittsburgh Gazette. And and, and you have to understand, you know, the the issue about the selling off of city assets is, you know, one can argue that, well, maybe this was a good idea, or the, although I thought from the beginning it was a horrible idea, but the fact remains that they probably could have gotten three times or four times the amount of money that they actually did. The bottom line is the only people who are profiting from the, you know, from the parking meter deal are, you know, are the investment companies that have invested in the deal and, oh, I'm sorry, the Texas Teachers Retirement System because they were also in the deal. So basically our Chicagoans are paying uh, the retirement uh, in Texas. Texas Susanna Mendoza, you wanted to say something. There's no doubt that, look, I mean, for, for Mr. Daly, 
to write an op-ed just as recently as last May defending the parking meter deal and saying that it was great business. Look, it was, it was, was good business. business. Sorry, you said it was good yeah, business. Thanks. So to be exact, like it was good business it. for your family. Well, it was terrible business it, for Chicagoans. Susanna, that's think, a lie. It's absolutely not. Do not say that. That is totally untrue. Mr. Daly, here's the thing. That's about as big of a lie as you telling Chicagoans right now that you were not a key advisor to your brother during his key, I, key I, caretakership years no. as mayor. Of course key, you were. Wait a minute, wait. How could you possibly look at the camera and say, I, I did can't. not advise my because brother? It's, of wait, course you were. There's Phil, one degree of separation. Phil, Susanna, Phil asked the question, did you advise your brother on the parking meter deal? That, and you're literally and I, saying you did not. I did not, Susanna. I don't believe that for one well, second, and I don't fine. think any Chicagoan does either. Well, that's your opinion, and that's great. It was a good but deal the for the dailies, bad for Chicago. The truth is, <laughs> wait a minute. And, and you didn't cheat on your test either. Look, we'll get to that side of the uh, side of the podium in just a second. No, again, I mean, so he said okay. he didn't cheat on his test. He had yeah. someone else cheat for his test. This is how it works when you have the privilege in the name of a daily. Susanna. You don't have to do things yourself. Other people can do them for you. Normal Chicagoans don't get and then we'll move on to the other side. As I said, I, I obviously helped my brother get elected. I was a political advisor. I helped in each of his campaigns. I had my own life. I went off and did a lot of things having nothing to do with my brother in this administration. So Susanna DeSantis, who worked for Rich while she was also a state rep, so she, I never heard her complain about his... I worked very hard. I had to earn well, my so way, did actually. He, and so yeah. have I. Right. Sure. Yeah, I have. Thank All right. You. Willie Wilson, you wanted to say something, sir. No. First of all, you get rid of the parking meters thing. I, I was parked for 15 minutes one day and I got a ticket. <laughs> all right? It's a bad deal. People watch it over you, all right? And don't forget about this, too. Get rid of the red light cameras, mm -hmm. all right? Well, Look, the parking meter deal cannot be gotten rid of. We're, well, we're well, stuck with well, another well, 75 years. That was attempted, well, I believe. That's been fine, but you do other things to offset it. I, I tell you what, if, if, if you want to take and look at it this way, I guarantee you, if, if you pay no taxes for one weekend in Chicago, that people ain't have to pay for parking, all right? You have customers coming in from the suburban, shopping in Chicago, businesses. You'll see business be, go to sky roof, all right? It's hurting the city. And we have to take and get a hold of these things that run people from out of the city but bring them into the city. We'll find ways of dealing with that. City own a lot of property. All right. Let's move on. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle, we got a, a, a question from a viewer who wants to know if you candidates uh, support the building of the Lincoln Yards development, something that would add some very high buildings to an area that has the potential for great congestion. Is the Lincoln Yards project, a good, would it have your backing? One of the things I've said is that we need TIF reform in the city. You know, we've, the TIF was, a, was supposed to be a tool for economic development in struggling communities, and yet a third of our property tax revenues, 31%, go into these sequestered TIF districts. And frankly, much of our downtown, the most valuable real estate in the city, is now in TIF districts. It doesn't make any sense at all. We need but to unlock the Lincoln Yards project specifically. You know, I've, I've said that we need to put a moratorium on these big TIF projects until the new mayor comes in and can look at them. You know, I think it's really critical that we not further impair our property tax base with huge TIFs. And the estimated impact, I think, of Lincoln Yards is $900 million, something like that. 
with huge tiffs without really careful thought. Because the, it, this is supposed to be a public benefit, not just a benefit to the developers of this particular uh, site, Lincoln Yard. So I've, I've said we needed to put a moratorium on these big projects, the tiffs for big projects. Paul Vallis, how about that? Uh, aside from the financing mechanism, just the scale of it, do you support it? No, no, I don't. I don't fight, uh, I don't support that plan. But let me point out that we're getting close to the point where we're we are diverting $700 million in property tax revenues for developments, few of which are impacting the poorest communities. We have a city where 80% of the community, 80% of the city has seen little to no investment in their areas of the city going on four decades now that are in severe depression states. I'm talking about the type of depression that you see in third world countries. Just, just go to the other Michigan Avenue in the Rolls and Pullman area. They're not only food deserts, they're social service deserts, they're commercial deserts, they're retail deserts. What I've proposed is the following. I propose that we take a third of all TIF revenue, a third of all TIF revenue, and we use that money in an, in an equity fund, and we invest on the west sides and the south sides. The, and we invest in the 133 opportunity zones. Those are those massive federal tax incentives that are sitting out there waiting to take advantage of. If you were able to divert about a billion dollars in money over the next five to six years and get a billion dollars in private equity investment, $2 billion in equity, you could borrow $10 billion and invest $10 billion in capital because these areas have been neglected for decades. You're talking about multi-generational poverty. All right. All right, thank you. Let's move on to schools. All of you support an elected school board in some form, except Bill Daly. Bill Daly, why not? Look, at, I think the, there's a couple of reasons. One, there's no proof that an elected or a school board over an appointed school board makes any difference for the kids. And that's what this should be about. Number two, I believe the mayor must have skin in the game. For the mayor to be able to say, you know what, I don't have anything to do with that. That's somebody else's problem. Okay, it shouldn't happen because the future of this city is the kids in the school system. Three, the money that's spent already in politics, as we all know, is ridiculous. There was just an election for a school board seat in L.A. that they spent $17 million. Do we really want seven more uh, politicians running around, running on our, uh, against our kids or for our kids or whatever they're going to do, raising money? And the last thing is non-citizens cannot participate in election. And we have a lot of kids in our school system whose parents are non-citizens. I laid out a program where the mayor would appoint for a proposal, and we would have three uh, uh, nominees come from the local school council system where non-citizens can participate. So the mayor would have to put those three on, and then you would need five people to have a vote to pass major legislation for CPS, so there'd have to be a compromise. That solves all the problems. It's a hybrid, not a fully- Tony Perkwickle, you support an elected school board. How come? You know, I think it's really important that people be invested in their, in their public schools. And I've talked a great deal about the importance of having strong neighborhood public schools. And I think the best way to ensure that is to allow people to elect representatives to an elected school board. You know, we have to, we have spent a lot of time and energy and resources on magnet schools and selective enrollment schools and charter schools. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that was inappropriate. I'm just saying we have to really invest in neighborhood public schools because they accept all of our kids. They don't exclude anybody. And we not only need to invest in good teachers, being a teacher, of course, that's critical for me, but we also need to invest in social workers and psychologists and wraparound services because right now you can pretty much predict the quality of school by the zip code that the young person lives in. And 
just as you can predict life expectancy on the basis of zip code. And we need to have access to quality schools for all of our children because education is an escalator. And unless, well, let, unless, let, there's, unless there's access to great schools in all of our communities, we can't have strong neighborhoods and we can't have a world-class city. Let's stick to the issue about school boards. Paul Vallis, you support a hybrid uh, appointed and elected school board. What are your concerns about a fully elected school board? Well, let me explain the hybrid I'm referring to. And I think there's similarities between Bill's uh, position as me. Uh, I believe, first of all, that the mayor should appoint four members appoint four members and four members should be recruited from the community but I believe that the four members the mayor should appoint should come from local school councils I mean we have what thousands of local school council members don't tell me we can't find qualified individuals who the mayor could select and then I believe that the councils should select the balance of the members so you, that way you take money politics out of the selection of school board members and then of course the mayor because he has to have skin in the game can appoint uh, can appoint the chair uh, so what you have is every single local school council member is going to be someone with a child in the school system so they have skin in the game, so to speak. Got it. Susana Mendoza, what can an elected school board, which you support, <coughs> do that an appointed board cannot? So first of all, I, I appreciate what you said about parents having a child that has, you know, that is parents having skin in the game by having their children in the system. I mean, how about electing a mayor that actually has their own child in the Chicago public school system. That is why I support a hybrid approach to this because first of all, even if I wasn't running for mayor as the mother of a child in the system, I'd wanna make sure that our mayor does not walk away from their responsibility and accountability to leading the system. I do believe in greater democracy, right? So I think that parents, administrators, teachers should have an absolute strong voice at that table, uh, which is why I believe for that we should have a hybrid approach to this. But as a mother of a child, in CPS who's just starting, he's a kindergartner at a local public school system. I've never had a mayor, uh, the people of Chicago haven't had a mayor in my entire lifetime and then some who's actually had their own child in the system. And you better believe that every decision that I make as mayor regarding education is gonna be viewed through the prism of does this decision help me to close the achievement gap in the city of Chicago, which is frankly immoral between black and brown and white children. Willie Wilson, you support reopening 49 schools that were closed. Where would the students come from? Well, the politician ran them out of town. We got to bring them back, and we got to serve the community that still exists today. You build smaller schools to fit the city, all right? Smaller schools to fit the community, right? First of all, it shouldn't have been fit the school roughly closed down the first get-go, all right? And putting the thing, frankly, I don't know nobody that really, uh, the politician taking in complaining about those 50 schools that was closed down against Ron Emanuel. I did. Right? Well, I didn't, I didn't hear you. You must have been I mighty spoke quiet. Out, I spoke out well, against it. You, you, you didn't jump in the mayor until he told you to get in there. I, well, I objected to the closure well, of schools as a teacher. Know. But let me just say this here. It, it, that 50 schools should not been closed down. You destroy a whole population in the city of Chicago. We will build a new school. Uh, we will take and build a smaller, all right, to, to fix the whole situation. But I want to tell you how I'll fix the budget, the, the pension problem. I want to tell you how I would fix it as a business person. Keep it all short. Right? Go ahead. Okay. Please. First of all, there, there is, uh, be, besides the casino, the, the, uh, the, the marijuana, uh, and the, the airport, Besides those there, we have to manage the budget. City of Chicago have roughly about $10 billion, okay, budget. $7 billion of that is in payroll, 
right? So you got 70, 75% wealth in, in payroll. I, I can't run my business that way. I would take I'm gonna, that. I'm going to ask you to, to wrap it up because uh, we can park on this for all a right, while. All right, well, let me Please. just wrap it up. Thank you. All right, all right. So I, I would take that making sure that when cut down, majority of that stuff is in overtime. A billion dollars or two is in overtime, all right? Take that and then you look into the corruption and, and then investigate and get rid of white collar crime. All right, uh, let's move on. Tony Preckwinkle, would you support teacher pay raises and promotions linked to performance evaluations? You know, I think it's, it's really critical that we respect our teachers. And, you know, this is a matter, I think, of negotiation with the teachers union. You know, Some people we would say you should respect students and make sure the teachers are qualified and if they're getting promotions, if they're getting pay raises, it should be done because they are good teachers. This is a complicated issue because, as I said earlier, the resources are not allocated equitably to all of our schools. If you can predict by zip code the performance of a school, how can you say to the, to the teachers who are in underperforming, under-resourced schools that it's all your fault? We have to be sure that we invest equitably in our system. And frankly, in black and brown communities, we have under-resourced schools. We have kids who we know need the support of social workers, of psychologists, of wraparound services in order to succeed in school. And all of those, all of those schools do not have those resources. And until we have adequate resources to ensure that every kid can be successful, we have to be very careful about the way in which we evaluate teachers. If you, if you are a teacher in a, in a privileged community and the kids are doing well, and you're a, a great teacher in a school that's under-resourced, you know, I think we have to be careful about the comparisons we make there. As, so. you, as you all know, half of the mental health centers were closed by Mayor Emanuel. Uh, citywide, one in six hospitalizations are for mental health treatment. Uh, what do you propose the city do to help people struggling with mental illness when the city is struggling financially? Bill Daly? Look at the state cut back from, I think, eight million a year to two million. Okay, from the four mental health uh, services in the city. We've got to get that funding back from the state. And we also have to work with communities. We have to work with a private public partnerships with some of the uh, hospitals and facilities around the city. This is a crisis in many communities. And some communities are taking upon themselves to create special uh, uh, service, service districts in order to solve that problem for that community. And we've got to encourage those and work with those communities. Susanna Mendoza. So I see this very closely as controller. I've had to navigate the state through the worst fiscal crisis uh, in its history. I've had to prioritize people uh, with health care needs, uh, folks in nursing homes and hospice care and, and mental health services that have really taken a hit. Having said that, we need to destigmatize mental health and we need to invest the money in not just the new mental health centers, but also in comprehensive care facilities where somebody could walk in for all kinds of comprehensive care in addition to mental health. But you know, the stigmatization of it is very real. We need to, and I would say this, when you ask about how are we gonna pay for this, we're already paying for it. But it costs us $40,000 a year to incarcerate an individual, many of whom are suffering from mental health issues. Instead of investing in that, which is not investing, it's actually losing taxpayer dollars in a really ineffective way, let's spend the money more wisely by addressing people's mental health issues and investing on the front end. Paul Bellis, on the open. Uh, can, can I answer that? Because we yeah, run a public health system. We run a public health system. And, you know. <laughs> It's really disgraceful that this was sold to the people of the city of Chicago as a cost-saving major, because it's really cost-shifting. What happened when you close mental health clinics and people don't have access to meds and therapy is they end up 
acting out and ending up in our criminal justice system, or they end up in crisis at, in our emergency room at the hospital. And one of the things we've done at Cook County, as, as we've created our county care program, our Medicaid expansion program, is be provide behavioral health services, including uh, substance abuse, addiction, you know, therapy and behavioral health services because we knew how critical that was and particularly in light of the fact that the city has closed seven of its 12 mental health clinics which is just disgraceful. Paul Vellis on the opioid uh, epidemic, <coughs> should Chicago open overdose prevention centers where drug users can use in a supervised clean setting uh, using clean needles and so forth? Look, let me answer the broader question because we're not getting the opportunity to do that and there's more to be said on these issues. Uh, on the whole issue of social service infrastructure, we need to rebuild our social service infrastructure. And one of the reasons that I've said casino money, uh, uh, we shouldn't spend it on pensions or cannabis, we shouldn't spend it on pensions is because the financial plan I've laid out, if we had the chance to talk about it or if I could answer the question on that, actually fully funds the pension, structurally balances the budget and casts property taxes. What I'd rather do with money like the casino money is to, it's to invest it in community infrastructure so we're not borrowing to fix our streets or to get lead out of the water. Or, and, and what I'd like to do with, the, with cannabis revenues is use those cannabis revenues along with reprioritizing, reprogramming our existing revenues so we can not only open up mental health centers. At one time there were 19 mental health centers, not six. You know, seven of them were closed uh, when, when Mayor Daley, uh, when, uh, when Daley was mayor. Not Bill, of course, obviously. And, 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 uh, and, and now, of course, we have six. And now, of course, we have six. We need a mental health and wellness center in each of our police districts. But we also need to open up, we also need to open up uh, uh, opioid and drug addiction treatment centers so that we, there, there's that infrastructure, social service infrastructure, working with the police department, working with the schools, working with the community to provide the services that these individuals critically need. We are uh, unfortunately almost out of time and uh, let's, uh, for the purposes of this question, if you are not in the likely runoff on April 2nd, who is the one mayoral candidate, besides yourself, that you would trust most to run the city? Quick name, we have 30 seconds, Susana Mendoza. At this point, I might say Lori Lightfoot. Bill Daly? Uh, I will wait and see. Tony Preckwinkle? I've previously, previously said Paul. Willie Wilson? I would uh, change my name and run again. <laughs> <laughs> Short of that? Okay, Paul Vallis? First of all, I appreciate the gesture on Tony's part, but I, I can't support anyone who entered the race after Rahm Emanuel. Uh, decided to uh, withdraw. Uh, that's, uh, that's where we'll have to leave it. Paul Vallis, Willie Wilson, Tony Preckwinkle, Bill Daly, and Susanna Mendoza. And Paul Vallis, you're right. We did not have time to explore all the issues as, as, uh, as much as we'd like to, but we, uh, we gave it our best shot. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. And our thanks again to the City Club of Chicago for helping underwrite tonight's forum. Thanks also to our audience here as well as on Facebook, YouTube, and our website, plus those listening on the radio to WBEZ 91.5 FM. And thanks to the candidates, Paul Vallis, Willie Wilson, Tony Preckwinkle, Bill Daly, and Susanna Mendoza. We are back to wrap things up in just a moment. All right, everyone, well, uh, there you have it. That's the end of the debate. Uh, it was, or the forum, I should say, at WTTW. I'm standing out uh, by the uh, avenue that is right near uh, the uh, studios right here. And, uh, wow, that was an interesting debate. I thought it was really interesting, and I'll talk about this more when I'm back in the studio for the uh, pre-recorded uh, uh, episode 
uh, and segment of this episode. But uh, it was really, really, really interesting. Uh, the the style of it was kind of unconventional, at least from what I initially saw. There were a lot of yes-no questions, and I believe uh, Bill Daly even brought it up. You know, this is kind of unfair. We should be able to kind of dive in, not just him, but other candidates. They should be able to dive in more to the issues, and that was certainly something that a lot of the candidates brought up. In addition, I thought the policies that were discussed were mainly in four uh, areas of policy. Uh, those four or maybe even three, would be uh, either, you know, resources or that, that need to be implemented for the police department, how we can better education in the city of Chicago, and then also uh, the other one was just revitalizing infrastructure, which was kind of very lightly talked about, but it was certainly something that was made clear throughout the debates from all the candidates. And then also, of course, the final one was tax. That's always something that is uh, incredibly important when you look at uh, mayoral elections or any political elections for that matter. And um, I think Willie Wilson, for in terms of entertainment value, nailed the whole thing. He said, you know, I'm not for anyone who taxes me, and I'm totally against all taxes. So I don't know if that'll give him, get him a vote, a couple votes. I don't know. But uh, it was certainly a very good debate overall based off of no preconceived notions about the campaign the candidates or anything else i think without a doubt paul vallis uh who is actually not leading in the polls as i speak totally uh won the debate without a doubt this is breaking news on the jay doherty podcast Here's your host, Jay Doherty. Well, there you have it. That was the uh, second mayoral debate hosted by WTTW, and we had live coverage. And uh, that's the breaking news that just ended, and we have live coverage on uh, TJDP Tuesday, February 19th, 2019. And that's my new uh, intro. I want to play it there for you for the breaking news because I plan to do a lot more live stuff and a lot more in-person stuff. Uh, and as I am talking to you right now, I just uh, returned from the debate hall at uh, 9.17 p.m. is when I'm speaking to you. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 10.17 p.m. Sorry, I'm looking at my uh, mountain time clock. I have multiple, I have this uh, cool application, which maybe I'll talk about in the future. It shows me all the times uh, in the, in all the U.S. time zones. And uh, that was an as I know, I said this a lot before unknowingly, right, when the debate ended. It was interesting. You know, there were a lot of debate, there were a lot of, points talked about, and I have my full analysis for you, and I'm going to do it quickly, but I'll probably talk about it in tomorrow's episode, where we will do the, uh, the next, uh, debate, um, the, the next, the the second one, uh, that we will hold, and, uh, that will be, of course, on WTTW as well, but I will have live coverage for that one as well. Uh, the five leading candidates, uh, are in, they went head-to-head on Monday, of course, today, and there is a lot of stuff. It was being broadcasted live on uh, many of many networks. It was on Telemundo, I believe. It was on I know it was on WBEZ. It was on um, I believe more than one PBS station. Uh, so there were there was a lot of talk about uh, what I thought was kind of interesting. There were uh, a lot of um, uh, Jer- Joe Barrios was mentioned. A lot of former political or even operating political uh, figures that were. Uh, you know, came up. Uh, For example, Joe Barrios, he is, of course, the former Cook County Assessor. Uh, 
and also a very close friend, and I, some would even dare to say ally, and that's a joke, of uh, Tony Preckwinkle. She, of course, or uh, Barrios was, of course, defeated for re-election um, because uh, uh, there were a lot of questions about him uh, and others potentially scamming the property tax system. And uh, they asked him, uh, Phil Ponce, and I thought that he did a great job, just flat out, why do you support him? She said, you know, I'm president of the county. Incredibly compelling, Mrs. Preckwinkle. I don't really understand why... That is a good response. I think if you, in any sense, whatever you're speaking, if you're writing, your first sentence should be the lead-off hitter, the one that convinces people, that wants people to continue to listen. If you, uh, if, if someone asks you a question, and this is regardless of politics, regardless of anything, and you say, you, you just state a basic fact about yourself, and, you know, it's an honor to be the the president of the county board, which is... You know that that's that's admirable and everything like that, but that's not a decent reason to support a uh, what uh, allegedly corrupt person. She said that uh, I've the privilege to or, or she sorry I have to work with eleven separately elected officials. This is her quote. One of those elected officials, which uh, Joe Barrios' assessor, she did not go on, but it seemed like she wanted to uh, basically convey that she formed. Uh, more than 10 strategic relationships with people within the county, and uh, that is just a part of her job. She should have said that. She should have said that, not anything else. They, she could have said, uh, well, I had a, you know, as, it was part of my job to have a, to form a strategic alliance with everyone in the, uh, in, in the, um, you know, in, in the county and in, in my job. It, you know, you want to get along with your colleagues because at the end of the day, we're just public servants. That's what she should have said. She would have nailed the question right on the head and she could have said, uh, you know, even as a hitter, she could have responded saying, unlike many of the other candidates on this stage, I value loyalty. Or unlike many of the other politicians in this city, I value loyalty. So until there's any direct allegations, and of course there have been, and tons even close to being confirmed about Joe Berrios, I want to be loyalty. I want to be loyal. Loyalty is one of my values. Bill Daly, uh, who's leading in the polls right now, was asked about the Chicago Tribune report that raised questions about the insurance scam or exam that he took years ago. He was accused of being a scam, but he said that he did not cheat, and the article did not make any direct allegations against him in the event on 46 years ago. Uh, Mendoza and uh, Bill Daly picked a fight together. It was not only uh, against Mr. Daly, but also his brother, who happened to be the mayor as well, and uh, just for... Uh, contextual purposes, his father was also uh, the mayor at one point, Richard J. Daly, and uh, there, so it certainly seems to be a name in public service. Uh, Bill Daly, not only in the city, Bill Daly served as uh, Secretary of Commerce under uh, Bill Clinton and the Chief of Staff under Obama. Here's that little clash, and uh, you know, they got in a little bit of a clash, so I'll try and uh, put the exact timestamp of when that happened on the podcast. If you want to go to the website, jhuffendorty.com, if you want to uh, see it, but uh, it was really, this debate was good. It was, they did not get into many in-depth issues. It was a lot of yes or no questions, some candidates even pointing that out. Uh, but it was, it was a very, very, <laughs> it was, it was funny. I think really the person who brought the most amusement to the debate, to the debate was uh, Democrat Willie Wilson. He said that he is uh, going to remain a Democrat. He is not a Republican. 
and he is choosing to make a play for anti-tax Republican voters. He said, and this is legitimately, I think, what uh, every candidate should say. I don't know if you have to, you know, mention party lines, but Mr. Wilson was pressed by Phil Ponce and others about whether or not he is a legitimate Democrat, if he is loyal to the party that he says that he is running to. He responded with the comical line, If Republicans are for lower taxes on citizens, I am a Republican. If Democrats are for low prices on citizens, I'm a Democrat, alright? I don't look at the name. So that's kind of interesting. Um, he did not skip, Bill Daly did not skip this forum. He was he skipped a couple of them, particularly ones held by the parent company, of the Chicago Tribune, who not only writes all these articles about him, but they also endorsed him, which is an interesting, uh, interesting uh, view and perspective on that. Because historically, the Tribune has uh, even you know they don't they don't always uh, you know directly say oh you know I'm going to support this person because we're writing these great articles about them. In fact, in the gov- in the gubernatorial election and. Um, you know, I mean, first of all, the Bill Daly one is a, is a great example. They've written uh, many articles uh, that are negative about him. They also endorsed him, and uh, even in the J.P. Pritzker uh, gubernatorial election, when the uh, Rod Blagojevich t- tapes came out, you have to remember that those came from the Tribune as well, and uh, they, they uh, did not endorse him there because of uh, many reasons, so they claim, but mainly the, the tapes being released, which you can listen to on uh, j-dorty.com. Um, it was it was interesting uh, the whole debate. There was no direct mention of Ken Griffin contributing ten or one million to the campaign. Actually, two million dollars. And there was a full press conference held afterwards. And I'm not going to have coverage on that because I was uh, I I did not bring I did not put my phone up to the podium. I actually did not uh, realize that they were doing. And this is totally my fault. I did not realize they were doing questions until after. But perhaps one of my uh, close friends can give me a recording of uh, some uh, press conference, uh, you know, tidbits, and we can insert them into the podcast. And that's totally my fault. I now know this is my first live event. Hopefully it went well. Hopefully the coverage was good. There was a lot uh, to talk about. And if you were one of the, I think that we had up to like 142 people listening live last night. And if you were one of those... Uh, please let me know how you think how you think things went. The original recording was over two hour two and a half hours of me talking live. I just cut out like I don't know six minutes of me. Uh, you know, of course, a lot of the two hours was just kind of me walking around and then me also recording. Uh, you know, highlights from the hallway and asking people exactly what things are like and kind of just I left my whole live broadcast going from the moment I stepped at, you know outside of the building. To the moment I end, of course, I ended it during the actual debate because all phones need to be off and everything like that. But I also had a microphone that did not want to have that on, and my phone connects to the box, and the box connects to the mixer, the mixer connects to the recording, and then someone has to monitor all that. So it got a little bit complicated. I didn't want to have it in uh, the, uh, you know, I didn't want to have my phone and microphone on, a phone and or microphone on during the debate. So I chose not to have it on for uh, hopefully reasons that are obvious. And uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode, uh, no, episode number 76 of the Jay Doherty Podcast. It is right now uh, 10.55, and boy, it is, uh, it's been a long day. I woke up today about 4.15, and uh, probably going to go to bed in about an hour. I'll try and get this episode up for you, and then I'll do it all over again tomorrow. It's episode 76 of the Jay Doherty Podcast, Tuesday, February 19th, 2019. 755. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope to have you and see you back here tomorrow.
tomorrow for episode number 77, where we will be covering the next Mayor of Forum on WTTW. See ya.